Hey guys, it's Rachel, and I am recording this intro from Montana. I came up to the mountains for a few days to celebrate my birthday with some of my best friends and my love, and I have just finished the most amazing day of skiing in time to talk to you about today's episode. This one is really cool. So if you've been hanging with us for a long time or even just the past couple of months, then you might be familiar with our Mastermind episodes, and this is one of those. Masterminds are when we take the best of the best, the most wisdom, the smartest ideas that we have from six years of doing the show. I'm super lucky in that I've gotten to talk to some of the most incredible teachers and people and new friends and old friends. And in this instance, I thought it would be awesome. Let me do it again. I thought it would be great. Nope. <laughs> in this instance, I thought it would be really special if we focused on the teachers that we've had come on the show to talk about different kinds of spirituality. These are people like Tina Powers, who is a psychic medium, people like Rob Bell, who was an evangelical pastor of a mega church for a very long time and has spent the last, gosh, 10 or 15 years really evolving what faith and spirituality mean on a totally different level. You're going to hear from Jessica Lignato, who is a new friend of the show who specializes in astrology, someone who is working on inner child with Kimberly Lucas, and Sonia Choquette, who gave us one of the most incredible conversations about how we can connect with our own intuition and with a higher power. And just all of them are bringing wisdom. So whether you are new to this kind of conversation and just kind of want to listen in, or if you're deeply steeped in all things spirituality and you want to take a deeper dive, I really think that you're going to love this episode. So hopefully you dig it. And if you do, please share it. Share it with a friend that you think would like it too, or put it on your social media. But let's get the word out about these amazing teachers and the wisdom that they have to share. So this is our mastermind on spirituality. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I, I was always interested in mystical and I've always, thank goodness, I've had guides and helpers where I knew if I continued this behavior in the newsroom, I was very unpopular. It's sort of like if somebody <laughs> stops drinking and everybody's drinking and they're like, come over. Like I woke up and I went, no, yeah. I'm telling, I'm perpetuating negativity. I'm not part of a solution. 
But I started to make phone calls and I called people that I knew in radio and I got myself a morning radio show um, gig. And that one came with its, uh, you know, you had to be funny at like 4 a.m. And, <laughs> and it was before live streaming and all of that. And I don't even know how I made it there. But I did. I'd have to drive my car like with one eye open, you know, and so, and he'd be like, you look like a roadie from Leonard Skinner. And I'd be like, I don't even know how I made it here. So I would work, you know, the morning shift until about 10 a.m. And then after that, it's when the Barnes and Noble stores were open and uh, I would go there and I'd read about astrology. I'd read about um, afterlife communication. I was you know, always looking outside of sort of the normal, you know, I had people going, no, 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 come this direction, Tina, let's do the safe thing. And I was like, no, I want to know more about what happens after we pass. Like I have felt these energies and people around me. What is this? And I I was always just, you know, because I always have to say to everybody, it, it was placed in our heart, what we're passionate about. And it's our job to find that again. What happened was, and I think all along the way, like I said, from a child, I think I reconnected with what what was always there. And, um, you know, I love a quote by Picasso. He said, it takes a long time to grow young again. That's good. Because we make it so complicated. We all do. I mean, it's amazing we're all walking around, you know, with this soliloquy in our head or this monologue, and then we're interacting. So... So back to your question, it started, there was a big opening. I think it's like quantum physics though, what we start paying attention to. So I was reading and I was going to workshops and I was traveling, like I read Shirley MacLaine's Dancing in the Light. And so I saw who she was seeing. And so I ran over to Galisteo, New Mexico and sat, you know, at the Light Institute. So I would go wherever I was called and I started building my, I call it sometimes my ethereal tool belt. And I didn't know where it was all going. I went to all these psychics. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? And they just smile because any really good um, guide is not going to give you the total roadmap because right. we came here. Because what would be the point? Right. We wouldn't have stronger. Right. We wouldn't have learned from our mistakes. That words really matter. And also the energy under words. So many times, you know, somebody could give a reading and they could be gifted, but they didn't have the love underneath of it. So I thought, hmm, I left there kind of feeling not happy. Or somebody can say a word where they introduce doubt to you and and we can hook on to that. And if we agree to that, we can go down a whole different rabbit hole. So, and I also found that, you know, there are some people who, you know, might, might take advantage in a certain way or try to hook people. I had to learn about that manipulation. I'm -hmm. I'm still always learning. So I don't think it's ever over. Um, I always say this is what I've learned so far. So I learned that the energy of a negative reading could really um, affect me even sometimes for days. And um, Mm -hmm. I I had a teacher that was like, oh, so you went and did that again, huh? I guess you needed that. (laughs) She'd be like, get in the shower, like almost envision the shower, just washing it down the drain because really our intention you know, and not to let anybody yes. else stop us. And I learned a really good reading, just like a really good critique will have us go, aha. Yeah. Rather than, oh, uh oh. And I feel shameful and I shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, all of that. So, um, and then I learned from really great teachers who were amazing healers and um, that when we're ready, the teacher appears. 
And then I had somebody that once told me when, when we're not ready, the teacher disappears. I think that there are destiny points that we all have. And when we're listening inside to our intuition, we show up. I, I think our higher self and our soul places us in positions, if we're following it, that our personality can't even fathom, <laughs> right? right. We're called. I, um, For me, I'm very aware, not, not necessarily that it's me, but it's that an energy, I'm a messenger, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that the messages come from a very loving place. So I think yes. people come to, you know, and, and we all hope, you know, and I, I've had evidence that it's real that people are in another, uh, when we're out of our physical body, that we're in another dimension, of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So to be able to uh, deliver messages from their loved ones, or maybe closure that, that, that we all needed that somehow sitting in that space and collectively going together, our, our, if we want to call it frequency or vibration goes higher and it's love and joy because let's face it on the earth, there's so many polar opposites. It's North pole, South pole, love, hate, you know, and, and right. the vibrations of joy are so much better. Yeah, for sure. So for I sure. think they're pulled for that. And also, I think there's a knowing inside of everyone somewhere that, okay, I I want to believe this is real. I know I have gifts. I've followed stuff. And instead of going, well, that's really weird. We start going, well, of course. Because, yeah. start, you know, so it's a validation that it's real, number one. Number two, they can viscerally feel it if they allow themselves. And then hopefully the opportunity to open up and feel your own light and, and get confirmation yeah. for yourself of what you're receiving. Because our world is sort of set up as we grow up that, you know, a lot of it is we're externally focused on validation from others yeah. instead of what we think, what we feel and, and how we can help. I remember sitting with my mother-in-law at the time, and all of a sudden in my head, I heard really loudly, and it was inside my mind, I heard the word Lottie. It was like, and then it kept going Lottie, Lottie, Lottie. And so finally, I'm looking at her and I go, does the word Lottie mean anything to you? And I said, because I'm hearing it really loudly inside my mind. And she goes, well, I had an Aunt Charlotte and, um, but she passed like 30 years ago and we called her Lottie and I said, wow. And then all of a sudden clairvoyant, which is clear seeing, it's almost like, you know, when we dream at night, clairvoyant is yeah. seeing also we, I can see during the day, I see pictures in my mind. So it's not always the Hollywood, like, you know, person appearing, they will appear in my mind. And so I saw, or send me something. I saw a picture of a shoe. And so I said to her, um, you know, if this is her, I'm seeing a shoe. And she said, well, she had a shoe store in Britain. And then when I heard who's Maggie and I just delivered the message, she said, that's my nickname. Nobody knows that. And we were in for like two hours. And it was like being on a radio station to the other world that was totally confirmed. So that was like my real opening. And Wow. Yeah. Then what happened is I heard the name Harry Horn and I said, do you know Harry Horn? She says, ah, you lost it now. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I didn't have anything at stake, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I thought, huh, that's interesting. And two weeks later, I pick up my dad at the airport and I'm in the, I'm in the car. And he says, you know, you had a second cousin who just passed 
just a few weeks ago. And I'm really sad you didn't get to meet him, but his name was Harry Horn. Wow. And Jace, who was with me at the time, looked and we looked at each other and I'm like, this is real. So that opening came and I start, all of a sudden people started to come. Well, so did teachers and um, this famous numerologist, Michael um, Cassatt. And uh, I found out, I was looking at the stamps one day, there's a Mary Cassatt, who was a master at the time um, when most of the painters were men long ago. And there she is on the stamp. And I asked him, he says, yeah, that's, that's my relative. But he was a numerologist out of Los Angeles. And he said to me, Tina, for as right as you can be, don't be afraid to be wrong. And I took a deep breath because we're taught to be perfect. And what is that anyway? And plus, that's really boring, in my opinion. Yeah. It's doing yeah. our best or being excellent and, 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 and pursuing that. But being perfect just makes us really super small. Yeah. And in between the lines. So when he told me that, it freed me. And I thought, you know what? When I've seen a lot of the mediums on television or whatever, you know, I because I worked in television, I know that it's cut also to show everything that's working. But, you know, sometimes I might get something that it's not verified until later on, and I have to be okay with that. Or I could I could misread something. What is perfect? But I know what's most important is the intention behind what I'm saying. Will you explain, will you talk people through if they're not familiar, what is a helper? What is a spirit guide? What is a a guardian angel? Can you sort of talk about what? Sure. And I always say, this is what I know so far, because we could end up in the other world and they're like, okay, wait, you got this wrong. (laughs) 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 So... So angels, I mean, they've been depicted. I remember doing stories on, I did a whole series on angels when I was a reporter. And, you know, they're from the beginning of time as messengers, protectors. And my understanding is, you know, we can call in angels all the time for even, I mean, I call them in for parking spaces sometimes, you know, there is, and I do too. I never look for parking. Yeah, you said this and it's so good. When we had class, you were like, there's no yeah, job too There small. really is. Like you can ask for guidance in anything and it sounds cheesy, but I'm totally the same way. I never, ever look for parking. Right. It's always so we, so and, you know, I ask for them for protection many times at night when I'm feeling vulnerable or afraid. And many times, you know, I'll ask them to come to the, you know, corners of my bed and watch out at night while I sleep. I believe we have, you know, guardian angel or angels uh, in doing this series, you know, so many people depicted stories of where people, when they really needed help and they were praying that came out of nowhere and maybe took a human form and then disappeared. Uh, my mom, you know, she has, she has really bad feet and she was walking from a football game once and somebody, this man came up in like one of those rickshaws and said, do you need a ride? And, and, and gave her a ride. And then she turned around to thank him and he was gone. So, and then I, I believe uh, from what I know that guides, some of them, you know, they're very benevolent. They're, they're there to help us. We can have guides added. I believe before we come in, we have guides to learn about, you know, there are things our soul wanted to know this lifetime, challenges, things to overcome, and they have our back. They're benevolent and they have our back. They will also interfere if it's not our time to go. So sometimes I feel like they're guardrails, you know, mm-hmm. and they whisper to us and they open 
you know, um, situations for us and we can ask them for help as well. But they, they know what our soul wanted to accomplish this lifetime. And they're right behind us like a cheer squad. Yeah. And then I, I almost envision them yeah. sometimes going, oh, she's doing that thing again. <laughs> or I said, when I was younger, I'm sure they had crash helmets on. Yeah. All right. So and, good. um, and, and I know that certain guides can, you know, when I was working in news and I had to be very segmented with my time and really be direct, I know I had helpers in the other world with research. You know, there's, there's also um, the, I don't, I, it's coming out. So I'm going to, they're called the MAP people, medical assistance personnel. Those are, uh, my understanding is out of body people who studied medicine, who can help from the other side. But when, if you're having a, mm. you know, a um, physical ailment or something's not going right, you can ask for help and you can even look them up there. You can Google map people or the map. Yeah. Oh, well, and how do you ask for that guidance? Like, is there, are you using specific language? Are you, if someone's like, Duh, this is, there's something that's like ringing true for me, but I've literally never done it before. What so, advice you would give? Sometimes I do it with telepathy telepathy inside my head. Sometimes I ask out loud, but I'll just say, you know, I really need help with this. I'm really confused about this. Show me um, an easeful, unmistakable sign. Mm. An easeful, unmistakable sign. And then the whole whole thing is to let go because we keep pulling it back and then we're wearing it. And so we don't allow things to unfold sometimes. So you can ask in your mind, you can ask out loud. You can write things down that you'd like help with. There's no, you can't do it wrong. It's just yeah. get out yeah, there and good. asking for help and guidance. Because I think so many times, you know, we do the same thing over and over again. And we're taught that we asking for help sometimes is a weakness. I actually think it's courageous. And when we don't know, when we're asking and putting that out there, help always comes. Yeah. When we don't ask and we think we should know, or we start to feel shame or guilt about something and it keeps going around and around and around, it's tough. Yeah. But we're not reaching out. We're keeping it all inside. So we might replicate the same circumstances again and again and again. So easy for someone to be listening to this podcast or watching this and thinking like, okay, whatever. But to watch you do what you do is, is, mind-blowing and sort of can't be denied so is there um are you getting any met because you did that a lot you'd be like the guys won't shut up this is what I need to say today like to to show people or explain to people like your skill you know okay see what's happening okay um I am picking up though I will tell you as you started to ask a grandfather vibration for you Mm -hmm. so were you close with a grandfather or yes they have a bit because I what happens is is I I I hear it I heard grandfather and and you've I, I know you're really open you know that's that's what's helped you be really successful Yes, because um, being vulnerable and allowing people to see your process, I believe it helps everyone heal. Because yeah, we're all human, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he's talking about your mother, interestingly. Yeah. So he, if it's the same grandpa, he came through when we met the first time. He has died in the last uh, few months. Okay. It was my mom. My mom's dad. Okay. You know, and, and, and just so you know, when it happens, I have no 
it it happens in the moment. So I don't retain it. Right, 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 right. It's just really interesting. I always tell people it's like 50 first dates. I might remember <laughs> the person, but I won't remember what happened. It's like water in a hose that goes through. Yeah. Um, are you writing something right now? Because he's showing me you, or are you mulling it over? Or are you actually, yeah. because he's showing, it looks like um, another book or another, uh, and also something I feel will be turned into either, television or motion picture and yeah. that that's that's you know and and um he says that the yes and and he he's a guardian for you in a way i don't know mm-hmm. if you feel that um, yeah okay hold on here a second and that you're going to trust yourself he wants me to tell you and who you're bringing together for these projects mm. because he says there have been some learnings that you've had about <laughs> yeah betrayal, betrayal. <laughs> Yeah, because it's really hard not, and, 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 you know, what my guides are saying is, (laughs) see, what's beautiful about you is that you run in with your heart open and I've done this too. And you go, Hey, let me help. I want to help. I want to help. And now you're refining what your grandfather's telling me is who you're having help you. Yes. And what the, and what the intention or the motive is. Yes, absolutely. Is it for the common good? So the team you're building at this time, I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've also learned to, I had this um, Choctaw Indian medicine man that said to me, Tina, bless all your negative teachers. They save you lifetimes. Ooh. Because the negative is just as important as the positive in many ways, because we either stand up, we change something, we heal something, we're determined to have a better life. Yeah. Right? That's good. And to grow. That's good. Who I'm seeing, um, who was involved in the church or why am I seeing a church or a preacher? He was, or, a, he was a preacher. Okay. Because he, wow. Did yeah. you feel that at all through your yeah. body? Yeah. And so he's like standing at, oh, he's very proud of you. He was like standing at a pulpit in um, this picture that I see of him. And he says, he, wow. He wants me to tell you he was wrong about many things. Yeah, he was. He's happy to report to you now. Yeah. yeah. And that he is sorry if he scared you in any way mm. or didn't support you. And also your mother, he says. Yes. That's a whole other story concerning your mother, he yes. says. Yes. And you know, you and I, I don't know. Yeah, what, no, you. nobody knows. Don't worry. That's not something that's written anywhere. There's nothing you could know, but yeah. Okay, but that that that's where some of your work has been mm-hmm. because see he is so sorry because he influenced her in such a way and the thought form was he's calling it limited. Yes. Yeah. And he was so sure he was right. Very fire and brimstone, Pentecostal, like everything's a sin. Every yeah, God is he, a vengeful God, like the whole thing. He made everyone he made you afraid to live. Yeah, absolutely. But also um, he's in admiration because you said no, mm. and you knew something didn't feel right, but it was at great cost, he says, concerning your mother. Yes. Yes. And he also shows like you had to walk away. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me want to cry. And I'm not a good medium if I start crying. <laughs> like a news anchor, you know, I mean, I couldn't, they're like, this is happening in Iran. And then, can you believe those people just look God? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why can't everyone just be nice to each other? Right. But we came here to, to you know, every, okay, wait, he's pulling me back. <laughs> he's like, so I'm just seeing how he wants me to say this to you. 
He says, thank you for having the courage to tell your story. He says, now the pulpit, or he's handed the baton to you. Yeah. And he's very proud of you. And he doesn't know if mom will come around. I don't know what that means, but maybe that means something to you. Yeah. And you're to live your life. He, he's just went, you're to live your life. One of my favorite nuts, yeah, I have one, is pistachios, period, all the time. I eat them constantly on salads by the handful. I literally have a glass jar of pistachios in my kitchen at all times. And whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, not me, or you love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios, is the perfect snack. There's a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from, though I personally just like it plain and simple with a little bit of salt. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Very early in life, I realized that that this was something that people got disconnected from and that I needed to help them reconnect because to me it was the worst handicap a person could experience. I mean, we can manage if we lose our eyesight or we lose our hearing. My mom did lose her hearing, but what would you do if you lost your inner lifeline? To to to, it's like your your vibration is like your, it's like the the pulse of your your authentic self connected to God. How could you, how could you possibly navigate this world that's going to be chaotic and be safe and grounded without this? So, as a child, that became my mission, and it's wow. been that. For my whole life, we have hearing to the outer world with our ears, but our actually our entire body is capable of listening. So I was taught to listen to not words, but to vibration. I was taught to listen to the frequency of things. If you rub your hands together and you just go like this, you can feel that energy going palm to palm that frequency. So I'm listening for that tone in your heart because that is the tone of your true spirit, your authentic self. And then I scan around and see where it gets off track. And my goal is to pull it back in by directing your attention so that you're back in harmony with your the, the, the frequency and the vibration and the tone of your true self. So I'm listening, but not to outer material, physical sounds. I'm listening to the heart frequency. And I believe we all start that way. 
your yeah. child, your children do your, you listen with your heart to your children. You can, you can feel their energy in the other room when you're not present. It, it actually isn't unusual. It is a sense we dumb down, we tone down, but in, because my mom's ears and she used to say, you know, I'm so lucky. I'm, I'm deaf. So I can't hear negativity. It was, it was <laughs> but she would, she'd say, I hear you. My whole body can hear you and I can hear what you're communicating. And if it's harmo, if it's congruent, if it's joyful, if it's safe, if it's happy and, and, we listen to energy. That's when we start feeling the divine energy. We start feeling energy that goes beyond the physical plane. And so that's the kind of listening that I'm, I'm, I'm using in my own sessions. And it's the kind of listening I teach people. And I want to let them know it's natural. Imagine that someone listening to this is like, oh, this is really interesting. I have no idea how to do that. Well, first of all, we do get when we get stuck in our heads. We become numb. Your your head, your ego, your brain actually doesn't have a capacity to feel. So it doesn't feel vibration. It only hears the noise of your internal noise. It's like a ping pong ball rolling around trying to find its way. So the first thing I do, I want to give a technique so you can you can actually experience what I'm talking about. I want you, and these this is a step I would say to anyone, start by looking around and notice one or two things right in front of you. So what do you notice right in front of you? A water bottle. Okay. Take a breath and name one more. Just look around uh, and really pay attention. A statue of Buddha. Okay. So what that does is it brings you into your body and into the moment. You have to come out of your thoughts and out of your headspace and you have to get, okay, what's right in front of me. Then I want you to take a breath in through the nose. I want you to pull your belly to your spine and exhale like you're blowing out candles with the intention of emptying yourself of everything that's inside you holding on and locked down. So you just go. When you're completely out of breath, breathe in again, very slowly. It feels so good. Open your jaw really wide and say, ah, ah. And you slide into your body. You actually slide in and reconnect with your heart and your body. Can you feel that? Mm-hmm. And you smile, your brain gets quiet. So now you're just at a moment where you're present and quiet. Now, language is interesting because how you feel isn't about emotions. It's about sense, feeling. So how do you feel in your body? How do you feel? And you want to keep sending this sound of, ah, because that opens, first of all, scientifically, it opens the vagus nerve, which runs from the back of the head, through the jaw, down the throat, into the heart, all the way to the belly. And that nerve, when you say, ah, shed stress. It's like, I call it everybody out of the pool. Ah, everybody's out. So I get in, I get back in. Ah, and then you start naming what is, what causes you fear because what shuts you down and causes you not to 
be present and feel is fear. So you just name it, but you name it like the water bottle and the Buddha. So I say, I'm afraid of, so you want to do this with me? Sure. Because humans are always afraid that we're, you know, our animal self is always scanning for trouble. So fear is kind of an animalistic instinct. So let's just try it. I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of what my ex-husband's going to do next. And I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid of getting it wrong. Take a breath. What do you see in front of you? Pick another thing. A lamp. And And I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid of not being able to write the next book as well as I wrote the last one. And I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid of falling back into old patterns. Take a breath. And what do you see right in front of you? computer ah and let out the sound go down the slide ah and answer this and my heart says my heart says you've got this and my heart says and my heart says you're safe and one more time my heart says my heart says you're doing a really good job take a breath Keep your eyes open, stay present. And now last question. Is that true? Is that true what your heart says? Yes. Okay. See how quickly you just, right there. You didn't come from yes, you came from And that's the voice of your inner guidance. So I call this emptying the garbage. So fear, do you see how it's, it's always there and we're, we're, it's there, it's sitting there and we try to push it back. Well, you know, the truth is, Rachel, it's not fear that stops us. It's hiding fear. What we want to do is bring it up. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Just bring it up, move it out, take a breath, be present. What the truth because your heart tells the truth. Mm. Ah. And that's the, how you test it. Is it true? I don't say, is it right? I said, is it true? And you immediately opened up. You can even yeah. see it in a person's body language. You can see it in their whole energy field. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what's true. That's what your inner guidance is. That's what your angels, your guides, God, that's what every force is moving you to be in this place of truth. Ah. Do you do you feel like we hide the fear because we think this will keep us safe or because we think it will hurt less? Like where is that instinct from of I'm afraid of all these things, but I don't want to even acknowledge them to myself? Partly because we come and we're moving out of a warrior culture, very kind of patriarchal, competitive war. And anytime a person would, we've been conditioned to believe that if we're fearful, we're weak. And if we're weak, we're vulnerable. So we've been trained, deny, deny. Well, it's, it was a bad idea. Because did you feel weak when you acknowledged your fears or did you feel better? Yeah, no, I, it definitely wasn't weakness. It felt sort of we, courageous. And, and it gives you more power because you emptied it. I tell people a fear is not a fact. 
fear is, is, is an ambiguous threat that keeps us from being fully present. So when, and, and you know, here's the interesting thing. When it is a fact, what you're fearing is a fact, your, your, your spirit will give you different direction. It will say, don't go there. Stay away from that. You know, honor who you are. It will, you're, and here's my biggest message. You can trust that voice, but you can't trust this one. You can't trust the voice in your head. The voice of fear is not present. It's roaming around looking for, it's like, I call it the barking dog that's looking. It's like patrolling the borders, patrolling the borders, growling, growling, growling. It's not present. Whereas the heart is the voice of your spirit. And the voice of your spirit is calm. Did you notice any shift in your physical body after Absolutely. you did this simple exercise? When and and this is what I train people to do is to recognize that we have a protective ego, and our ego is always afraid. It's always afraid by its mm. nature. It's afraid, whereas your spirit is always clear, informed, and can guide and and protect you if necessary. And will direct you to your highest good always. But it's a different channel. And so we have to empty the garbage. And there's a couple of ways, the technique. But also, I, our inner self learns best with metaphors. Okay? So it learns best with, with, with stories and metaphors. So instead of saying, get out of your ego, get out of your head, I say, name your barking dog. Name that 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 ego self that spins around and around and growls and feels threatened and is reactive. We all have one. And if we can name it and recognize it and even have fun with it by by identifying what your barking dog is. Like, for example, I see my barking dog as a very snotty poodle. You know, she lives in Paris and she likes to shop and she's she's really kind of, you know, a little bit reactive. And I call her Fifi. So when I get into my growly side and my reactive and impatient, that's my barking dog. And, you know, here's the thing. If we name it, we recognize it faster. So if we're going to have some fun, what would your ego's barking dog be? Oh, my gosh. Well, what I thought at first was like killer, like a pit bull or like okay. something that's guarding a junkyard. Yes. And and let's give your dog a name. Killer? Yeah. yeah killer's what pops into my brain. So okay. And can that. you feel that part of you? It's yeah. just, yeah. Yes. And you know, it's like, okay, that's my ego. It's watching. It's ready to jump. But you're, Einstein said it this way, the human spirit is your sacred gift and the rational mind, the ego is the servant. So I say your spirit is the leader and, and your ego is the, is the barking dog. It's your, it's your pet. So when you, have, when you have your spirit leading, everything goes well. My spirit's name is Bright Light. It's just a bright light. And my barking dog is Fifi. Now, what would your spirit's name be? You're going to just have one that's the, just the, the best, bright, most grounded, genius, loving, centered you. Mm. Ren. Ren. Okay. And you know, every time I ask someone this, their, the name of their spirit, two things happen. Your eyes light up and you smile. <laughs> Always. You change. 
you change, you, the light comes through. So I say, okay, who's driving the bus of your life right now? Is it Fifi or is it bright light? Because if Fifi's driving the bus, we're in trouble. We are in a bad neighborhood and it's a dog fight. Whereas if bright light's driving the bus, I'm going to get my guidance. And you know, people, you'll remember it that way. Yeah. And so when killer's driving the bus, killer's looking for trouble. Right. And You're when so right. It so works. And when Ren is driving the bus, well, we'll rise above it all. And that's how you keep going back to the channel of your guidance. Yeah. Your guides yeah. don't talk to killer. Your guides talk to Ren. Because you can actually see the, the, the energy of that coming through. And you say, well, that's my personality. So you don't shoot the dog, okay? You, you don't kill the dog. You just say, okay, you're trying to take care of me. You're not very good at this. And the barking dogs all live in a bad neighborhood. So whenever we're in our ego, that's a bad neighborhood. Nothing good is going to happen there. We got to get back to, we have to go down the slide and get back home. Take that breath. Ah. <sighs> And then, okay, I've never thought about having a spirit. I never, this is new. How do I identify my spirit? Here's the next tool. Answer me very quickly. I love my family. I love Kez. I love uh, books. I love the ocean. I love Noah. I love running. I love dancing. Take a breath. Go home. Ah. Ah. Smile. That opens the curtain of the heart. Ah, that's your spirit. You're in the energy of your spirit. You are in the energy of Ren. And then you say, okay, well, my spirit is the me that loves. My spirit is the me that loves. So let's give that self a name. What's that name? And yours is Ren and mine. And you know, by the way, you can change it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> it, you're not stuck. It's your spirit. And it's just, but visibly you change. You can watch this and see your whole body changes and opens up. Your heart opens, the curtains of your heart lift, you expand. And you are in a frequency that really can hear what I was talking about. Vibration. You can hear guidance. You can, the barking dog's barking. It's noisy. You can't hear a thing. One of the ways you can tell you're connecting to your spirit, what's going on in your head right now? Not really a lot. I'm right. here. Yeah, present with you. Yeah. Like that's one of the ways. It's not noisy. So tool number one, I'm afraid of, you empty the garbage. Tool number two, you come home. Ah. Then smile because it pulls the curtains of your heart open. Ah. Tool number three, I love. That takes you to your spirit. Then listen, but you're listening to your energy. So here's, here's the first thing about getting guidance is that you have to be authentically available for to hear. But this is important because a lot of people say, I want guidance, but they're afraid. And there's a reason. because They don't want to hear something that they don't want to do, right? So here's what I tell them. You don't have to do it. Hear it, but you still get to choose. 
And right. that's important because this is a big reason why people block their intuition. Probably the biggest reason. It's like, I don't want to use something I don't want to do. Ask me to change or be. So I, fair, you have a choice. So I say, break it down. Ask for the guidance and then choose. And you have every right to say, I don't want to listen to this guidance. Super right. important. Okay. Can you see how it makes you just a little more available? This is so important because we've denied that we are vibrationally communicating for so long that we don't have a language sometimes for what is actually we're feeling. So if we don't have words, we often deny it. So that's why I say in my books and in every workshop, speak it out loud. Give your body permission to express. When you name it, you claim it. And, it, it, and, and you can say, I have a choice. I can listen to this or not. But don't shove it. Because what happens when you shove it is you betray yourself. And that's when you get into this chaotic internal mess where I'm not listening to myself. So who am I going to listen to? You or you or you. And then, and frankly, for those who are really spiritual, the first commandment is not to have false gods. And listening to other people and their way of telling you how to run your life is totally a false god. So just to really just say, I'm feeling something. It's congruent. It's heavy. It's dangerous. It feels yucky. But the more you language your energetic experience of life, your vibrational experience, and quantum physics has now caught up with, or with us intuitive people, and it starts validating what we've been saying all along, everything's vibrational. So, but it's not emotional, it's energetic. And we can have an emotional response. I'm feeling a dangerous energy from this person. This energy is very toxic to my being. My emotion is run away. But my experience is this is vibrationally damaging to me. And, right. that, and here's where it's really empowering. Let that be enough information. Because what I find people where, where people really disempower themselves, and it's men and women, but it's very much women, is that they feel like, well, I need someone to tell me that's okay. I need, I need an explanation. I need a validation. I need permission. And I'm saying, no, you don't. Yeah. You give yourself permission and to just say, I have a bad vibe or I have a good vibe is enough. Yeah. And you just yeah. say for, for anyone who says, well, how do you know? The answer is I don't but it feels right for me. It works yeah. for me. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. 
And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach scientists are now saying that four percent of the universe is known we know what the matter that it's made of but 96 percent of the universe is dark matter dark energy black holes and scientists don't really know what that even is so this dark matter dark energy which they don't even really know what it is, but agree that it's somehow vital to the nature of the universe. And I would imagine your listeners could think of multiple experiences where 
they were in conflict with what they knew, deep knowing, and what they were being told around them. And you listen to the expert, the authority figure, the relative, the mentor, and violated that inner knowing. And later you're like, God, I knew it, <laughs> right? And so there's been some deep knowing that you, Rachel, have possessed the whole time. And I bet right now when you're quiet and listen, you can find it. Oh, this is the next thing to make. This is the next thing to do. This is the next question. The great artist Robert Irwin talks about pursuing a line of inquiry, that your life, you're pursuing this line of inquiry. Can I make this? Can I launch this? Can I start this? Can I write this? Can I create this? Can we expand in that direction? And then you get answers. So, so the first thing is to learn to be the observer of the experience you're having. For many people that, uh, let's think, okay, like in these days we're living in, overwhelmed or anxiety becomes I'm anxious. Right. And the subtle shift to, oh, look, anxiety. So just learning to observe. Like you mentioned, you carry a notebook around and just even the basics of writing out, okay, today I'm angry with this person, this person. Today I feel like just getting it all out is actually an act of observing it. And what that does is more and more grounds you in the you that can observe you having the experience. Mm. For many people, the only you is the you that's overwhelmed by whatever it is. So the practice is getting better and better at observing it. Because then the question becomes, who's observing it? There's some you. There is some infinite, indestructible Rachel who is observing Rachel having these experiences. And the more time you are grounded in that infinite, indestructible you, then that's like, a, that's like a center. It's random and it's not random how we got here. There are things, there are experiences we had and stories that we had to tell to make sense of things that happened back there. And the story works until it doesn't. So yeah, for many people going back and mining their past, it's like, I'm moving forward, I'm not nostalgic. No, no, no. This is like basic human wisdom. I, I came from these people. I, I, I stumbled into a stage in the second act there's already a bunch of stuff that happened. Like there were already dramas. Right. Your, your parents and their dramas and their parents. Like you stumbled into a stage. A, there's a plot. It's already unfolding. So let's start there. A child is not a blank slate. You entered into a drama with loss and hope and lust and longing and like all of it. And of course, over the course of your life, you're going to have moments of insight about how those events and the events when you were younger shaped you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in helping people own every square inch of their story. Yeah, your history, all the awkward, embarrassing moments that like, please don't bring that up. And you wince and you think, oh God, that picture, look at the pants I'm wearing, right? All that stuff. And yet, what did you expect? You've never been you. This is your first shot at being you. So through all of it, there's been something I call spirit. It's been called spirit for thousands of years. This animating energy in all the messes, inviting you to make something new out of all of it. And uh, that, that leads you into the wonder and awe of your own existence. And that, to me, is the only game worth playing. Because the only way forward is that we open our hearts to each other. We did cynicism. Like, we did air quotes. We did all the irony. People grew their funny mustaches. Like, we did all that. Everybody's standing at a distance, showing that they get it. That's lame. That's derivative. I've seen that. Uh, we, did, we did cynicism. Um, 
Everybody got their hearts broken, so they stand at a distance. Cynicism presents itself as wisdom, but it generally comes from a wound. So it's the friend who's like, oh, that, come on, they're, they're just copying that. That's just probably the person extended themselves at some point and, it, and they got hurt. And so now they stand at a distance and point out what's wrong and lame with everything. Right. And they present it like it's world-weary wisdom, but it's probably just some wound. So the way forward is, and then you think about polarization, specifically political polarization. We're so polarized more than ever. Well, polarization is when you can no longer see yourself in someone else. Mm. You, you can't imagine why they would say or do that. But the invitation is to look far enough inside of you that you see everybody or you look far enough inside of everybody else that you can find yourself. So that's why I was just laughing with you about the word selfish is you follow what Rachel is interested in. You double down on that. That's where you find all your listeners. Mm. That's the only way it works. You double down on the particulars of your Rachelness and everybody else finds themselves in that. There's an interesting thing happening. What the internet does in terms of how a person is incarnated in the world. Because when you have those ideas like for a book, then I assume you sit down and type them. So what happens is you have to go from everything the book could be to what it's actually going to be. And that always involves a death. It always involves a death of all of the things it could be. Which is why you meet that singer-songwriter, like, let me hear some of your music. Oh no, I'm in the studio right now. Have you recorded anything in the past? Yeah, yeah. But you gotta, but I'm, I'm recording some stuff right now. Because when they actually made those songs and recorded them and then heard them back, they weren't what they heard in their head. So actually making and doing things in the world requires an act of death to all of the potentials that it could have been and an accepting of what it actually is. Now, if you, if you don't actually type out the words and make it, then what you exist in is a state of extended fantasy. You see how that works? If I'm not willing yeah. to go through the death of bringing it into flesh and blood, then I just have what it could be, and that's actually fantasy. So what the internet does is it allows millions and millions of people to stay stuck in fantasy about how they would run the government, how they would play if they were in that game, what they would do. And it, the internet is fundamentally unable to call the person to actually go through the painful death of all of those fantasies and get skin in the game. So you have millions of people with these divine, holy, sacred, creative energies. They're here to participate in a new ordering of creation. And yet they're on their phone ripping this person to shreds, which is easy because it requires no death and incarnation. And it's holy everywhere. So think about the energy spent on Facebook sending links around about politics. Imagine if that person took a tenth of that energy and went down to the city hall and helped organize traffic patterns and fix potholes or the public school, or the board of water and light, or getting more people registered to vote. Like, so that's why for me, this is um, much, I mean, there's obviously wonderful things about it. So let me just put that, make its own category of all the lovely writing. And I check a couple of sites each day. I love Architectural Digest. I love the ring. Like there's a couple of sites that the writing often is fantastic. But 
what you're speaking about is this giant mass of people stuck in fantasy. And then what happens is these energies, when they're not expressed in the service of others, get all bottled up. And that's where all the hate comes from. It's all a giant projection. Mm -hmm. It's a giant projection of the person's own sense of unfulfilled expression of their divine energies. Imagine you were off social media or whatever, and whatever that means, maybe just anything other than like reporting. I, th I think of it as reporting. Here's what's happening. Imagine other than reporting, you were all, gave zero at creative energy to it. And all of that energy was spent in silence and wideness and curiosity, allowing the next thing you're going to do to take shape. Like instead of dissipated little social media bursts, imagine if you gave all of that energy to actually the next thing you're going to do. Well, I mean, I assume the next thing you're going to do instantly got, got layers and subtleties and nuance and depth and profundity. I do fascial stretch therapy, so mm -hmm. I'm a fascial stretch specialist, but I also do a method called the Walla method, and I'm also a completion process practitioner from Teal Swan. Okay. And so what that entails is a very spiritual side. So I address a lot of trauma from our childhood, and a lot of trauma that happens to us when we're younger can affect us into our adulthood. And so it can cause physical pain, symptoms within our body, whether it's internal, external. And so I get to the root cause of honestly pain, mm -hmm. whether it's physical, emotional, or mental. Right. And so with those two methods, I get to the, the root cause of it. And that's what do you, I do. Well. Do you call it like energy healing or how do you explain <sighs> honestly, it? Because usually I'll tell people like, oh, she's an energy healer, but that's not really, but it feels like the most basic way that I can explain to people what you do. You, Rachel, you had so many emotions trapped into your throat chakra, not being able to express yourself, not being able to speak your truth, right? So those emotions become very stagnant in your throat chakra. And each chakra loves to flow like a waterfall, right? And if they are not flowing, it's going to manifest into some kind of physical pain or symptom to get your attention. And so once I got to your neck, your body automatically knew what I can do. Mm. And so your body was like, okay, knocking on the door. You can really help Rachel with this. And so I need someone's permission in order to go there. Because a lot of people, they're just very close-minded. But I knew with you, we were able to go there. So I just, people <laughs> look at me like, what the heck is she doing? So it's called, it's off-body muscle testing. Okay. You may have experienced muscle testing with an acupuncturist or a chiropractor where they push on your arm. And if your arm is weak or when it's strong, yeah, it's the same thing, but I'm doing it with my fingers. Okay. So it makes things a lot quicker yeah. and your arm won't get tired because I ask a lot of questions. And so what's happening in that, in that moment is I'm asking your body, where's this coming from? Is this physical or is it emotional? I get mm -hmm. emotional. Great. So then I pinpoint it. What emotion is it? How old were you when this came about? And da, 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 da. Yeah. A lot of times when, when someone first answers a question that I may ask them, their persona that's answering. Ooh, interesting. It's their persona. It's their protective yeah. mechanism that's yeah. answering. Yeah. And so when they answer like that, I'm like, are they answering from their truth? Right. Or they're answering because they don't want to go there. They're not consciously aware of it. Right. That's the thing. They just don't, they're not consciously aware. Right. And so 
Um, so I, you want to go deeper. You yeah. want to go deeper because if you don't get to the root, it's just going to keep reincurring. Right. That's where my original spiritual journey began when I was 24. Because of my childhood, I had a rough childhood, um, sexual abuse. And so I was very angry at God. And so I stopped believing in God because I thought God did that to me. And so I have this best friend when I turned 20. She was my, this was when I was a personal trainer. She was my very first client. And we just hit it off and we became so close. We did everything together. One day I woke up and I just didn't, like something wasn't sitting right. And I was heading to the gym to go train my clients. And I was like, something is off. And then a couple hours later, her nurse messages me on Facebook. And I thought that was odd. And she's like, Kimmy, have you heard from her? And I knew instantly. I knew. Oh, my God. Ugh. So I knew instantly that she was gone. And so they found her dead in a bathtub. And it was a murder. And till to this day, they still don't know what happened to her. And that's the first time like I've hit rock bottom. Like I've never had like crazy bad thoughts, suicidal thoughts. Even like when I was little, when I was going through the sexual abuse, I've never had those kind of thoughts until she was gone. I just like my world just ended because she was like my safe haven. And I had such a hard time of what was happening. But this is the beautiful thing because she was so connected to God, but she would never push it on me. And she always respected my space. And this is, this is so cool, Rachel. You're going to love this. She was a huge faithful woman, loved God, loved the universe. But that the gym I was in to the right on the ceiling above, they had these fluorescent lights and they've been out for like six, eight months. Okay. And I was partnered up with chiropractor. So it was in his facility. And so that Monday, she died on a Monday, took off work, obviously. That night I told myself, I'm going to go to work. I need to go to work. I just need to get my mind. I don't want to be stuck at home and grieve and cry. And, and so I go to the gym and I turn the lights on and those fluorescent lights are on. They're the brightest lights in the whole room. Wow. And so I was like, this is wild, huh? Didn't think much of it. And they turned on when I was right underneath them. They flickered and all of a sudden they just turned on really bright. Didn't think much of it. That night, closed the studio down, turned the lights off. Next morning I go back in, Wednesday morning, go back in and I turn the lights on and the lights are off, the fluorescent lights again. I'm like, that's so interesting. And so the chiropractor who owns the building, he ends up calling a electrician to come check out the lights finally <laughs> called the electrician to check out the lights and the electrician comes and he's like there's no way these lights could have turned on because they're completely the cord is completely disconnected <laughs> and that's when i knew i'm like okay she is here she's mm. trying to get my attention and then ever since then the lights would just keep coming on tv would automatically turn off or turn on it was crazy, Rachel. Yeah. So that began began my real spiritual journey into my own self-healing and back to that curiosity. And that's when the curiosity started opening up again. Right. Like and you started to more. wonder. Right. You there's started to wonder. More. Yeah. Yeah. How did you start to go, okay, I'm curious. Now what? So with that, I just stayed curious of the possibility that there is something more out there. 
And I allowed myself to be open with it. And I started feeling her around me. Like I could feel her presence around me. I could feel her talking to me. I just knew when she was there, like I, all of a sudden I could feel her energy. Yeah. And that started bringing me more closure. Like, and peace. So much peace. Right. Even though her physical form wasn't here, but she was still spiritually here. Yes. Like she, she, she's, she's here right now. She's right. the one that I feel like I intuitively believe that brought me to you. Mm, that's And rad. with my whole journey. That's rad. Everything I do is through curiosity. Mm. If I don't have that curiosity, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, especially with my health. Yeah. It was through healing my body, through the emotions. It was that curiosity that got me healed. Stayed curious with myself. Why am I having this pain? Why am I having this pain? Because growing up, I've always had sore throats, colds, strep throat, because I was never Mm. able to use my voice. And that's why I was able to connect to you and relate to you because I was never able to use my voice or speak my truth, da, 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 da. So it manifested into this physical symptom. Yeah. And then I had a lot of stomach issues, acne. I had this chronic neck pain in my neck. I had to go see a chiropractor every two years and I was doing all these things and nothing was working. Like I was doing everything. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I started getting really curious with the pain and that's when I started getting to the root of it. It was all emotional. Wow. That's so awesome. Every symptom I had was all emotional. When I started doing the emotion work, I've been I've only been doing it for 3 years. Intense 3-year journey, but I've become in a beautiful way obsessed with it mm-hmm. because this is what we're missing. And everyone is keeps keeps looking at the physical, the physical, the physical. Yes, the physical is very important, don't get me wrong, but we're missing a big, big piece. Yeah. There's something deeper happening within us. Yeah. And our subconscious, right, doesn't know the difference between time. So what happens to us when we were little that was never healed or even our ancestors that was never healed can still be affecting us today. A lot of the time, pain you are dealing with is something deep in the subconscious and it's just knocking on the door to get your attention. For healing to happen, you have to experience it. Right. And so I love to take my clients and like for you, Rachel, to take you on that journey, the spiritual journey. Yeah. And you have to literally, it's like some kind of like a natural psychedelic is how I like to explain it. Yeah. And if you don't experience it, it's not going to rewire your brain. Right. So I love to guide that client so they can actually experience it instead of me just telling them. We've been programmed to believe that we only have five senses. Mm. That is far from truth. Right. We have a lot more than five senses. And so what it is, it's really opening that sixth sense. And that's what it really is. Yeah. We all have it. Every single one of us has it. So if someone who has these abilities to talk to spirits, just know you have the same ability. Mm. Every single one of us does. We've just never been taught how to use it. It's been very mm, pushed to the side. Yes. Okay. Or or flat out like made evil or wrong. Made evil because there's great power within that sixth sense. Yeah. And they don't want us to have that or know about it. So it's just been 
programmed and passed down after generation after generation after generation. So when someone comes to me and they're sensing like a spirit with them or they feel a loved one with them, I encourage it because it's something very beautiful. We've been so disconnected from it. It's not outside of us. It's a part of us. Yes, we are in this human body, but at the end of the day, we are our soul. And so I encourage them and stay curious with it. Like keep staying curious, it feel into it. What is there a message? What kind of energy is it? Does it have a color? Does it have a feel? Does it have a texture? And the more I encourage that, I feel like that's the greatest gift I can also give them because we start losing our imagination. And that's when we start getting in trouble. And one of my favorite quotes from Albert Einstein, I don't know it to the T, but he says something along the lines, imagination will take us further than knowledge. And people are so ingrained that we have to be smart, smart, like book smart. But no, we're, we're really losing our imagination. And imagination is where it's really at. And do you have a distinction, by the way? Do you think that there's a difference or you think that if you feel them, they are a guide of some kind? You know, some people would say like, oh, this is the ghost of my grandma. And then some people would say, your grandma is one of your guides. Is there a difference? So there is a difference. When you see a ghost, yes, they are ghosts. What is happening is that form, um, you can call them an aspect, an entity, they're still stuck in this realm. This You can call it the third dimension realm, the human realm, whatever it is. They were either, some of them don't even know that they're dead. Some of them weren't even ready to die. And so they're just stuck. And so that's why people experience or see ghosts. Spirit guides, on the other hand, um, they're a little more ascended. And so you can say they've crossed over or they're with the light, whatever, right? (laughs) I hear them talking. This is so funny. (laughs) What are they saying? What are they saying, Kimberly? They love it. They love it. So, yes, spirit guides, they are with the light. They're not separate from the light. We're all part of the light. We're never separate. So the ghosts still believe that entity still feels like they're separate. So that's why they're trapped into this third dimension realm. Okay. But at the end of the day, we are all one. We're all connected. And so the spirit guides, they're in that realm, that oneness, consciousness, God consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So when I feel spirit guides, they will come on and every session. Like they already know. So it's not really me doing the work. I just open the door to universe and the spirit guides, their spirit guides to guide, guide the session. Got it. I love working with people like people who come in and they've had this chronic pain for years, years, Rachel had this one lady come in and she had this huge knot in the middle of her back. And she's like, it's been here for 10 years. No one can figure out what it is. I've done everything. And I'm like, okay, do you mind if I um, address it? She's like, no. And I was like, well, this is an emotion. You have a lot of anger towards your ex-husband. And she just, she's like, and then like just triggered her so bad. She was so pissed off at him. So furious, right? And I said, I was like, it's not going to go away until you make men's with that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Make men's with it or make peace with it. And so we did some little inner child work that was triggering her 
got her to her present self. She was able to forgive him. She was able to finally let it go. I go back to her back and the knot is completely gone. And then Rachel, a year later, I haven't seen this woman since. So I've always wondered like, wonder how she is. She probably thought I was so crazy. A year later, I ended up running into her and she's like, Kimberly, you'll never believe the knot is still gone. The thing is, having experienced something similar with you, I totally believe it. <laughs> I totally believe it. It's wild. Yes. And I'd like to add this where you've been taught to be so much in here in our mind. Right. We lead with our mind. We feel with our mind. We think with our mind that we have been so disconnected from our heart. And our heart, the more we connect with our heart, the more we can go into a higher consciousness. And so people are viewing this kind of perspective from the ego. They're seeing small perspective. It only right. has to be this way. They're seeing in a closed box, this container, right? But once we start getting curious and start venturing out and seeing through our heart perspective, you're going to experience and feel things on another level. Right. And that's where truth is. Truth lies in our, it's in our heart. It's within ourselves. We're not separate from it. We are part of that truth. It was about nine, 10 years into my practice of astrology and my study of astrology that I started teaching to other astrologers. And I started teaching uh, primarily medical astrology because I was very self-taught. I was kind of like really a loner and I just like would do a lot of stuff on my own. I developed kind of a, a way of working with uh, generational, intergenerational issues. So looking not just at your birth chart, but looking at your birth chart and what I can understand about your parents or your guardians or both, depending on how you were raised. And it's inevitable when I'm understanding your parents to have a sense of your grandparents because I'm looking at their childhood, right? So now we're seeing issues around class, immigration, uh, other like heredity things, which is integral to medical astrology because most medical conditions are inherited. They're in our genes, right? So this was like a huge part of my focus in, it still is, but in the first decade of my practice. And that's not what everyone was doing, I learned. And so I started to teach and I've been teaching ever since. So for the last 20 years or so, I am a humanistic astrologer. And this is the thing a lot of people don't know. There's different kinds of astrology, many different things within humanistic astrology, including medical astrology and something called mundane astrology, which is looking at like social and political conditions, which is I'm very passionate about. I personally work with astrology kind of as a counselor. And so people hear the word counselor and they think therapist. I am not a licensed therapist. I love therapists. And I think it's important for spiritual people to be really responsible about acknowledging the difference. I'm not a therapist, but I do work as a counselor. So I work with trauma. I work on I work with people on their mental health, their physical health, um, their spiritual and emotional health, and kind of like how all these things intersect in our daily lives, in the big things and the little things. And there's kind of an astrology for all of it, honestly. There's this idea that you're supposed to have it all magically just la dropped in your lap in your teens, and then you get really good at 25 and bada bing, bada boom. But life begins in meaningful ways in your 30s when you're old enough to make sense of what you are and the world instead of just being what people expect of you. People are often surprised that I didn't know I was psychic when I was a kid. I mean, I, I was, but I had no idea. And it was 
useless to me until right. I was aware of it, just like so many other things, eh? We know scientifically how little of our brains humans use. We know that we know very little about the human brain. You know, anyone who's had any kind of brain event, doctors are often like, well, this is what we think this part of the brain does. You know, brains are complex and there's so much we're not using of our brain. And to me, you know, as a psychic or a medium, I just think I'm using a different part of my brain than a lot of people use or know how to use. And I don't think it's honestly, especially special. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how we're defining the word special. It's just, it's a skill, you know, and yeah, there's like a lot of skills Absolutely. I don't have, but this one I happen to have, and it wasn't yeah. like the hardest thing for me to open it up. Um, and for other people, it'll be harder, but this is part of our, I think the human brain is capable of this period. Yeah. Technically, everyone can run a marathon. I'm not gonna, this guy's not gonna, <laughs> but like technically I could, you know what I mean? Like, but, yeah. but so I think the same thing is true with psychic stuff. You know, some people, I think, put pressure on themselves to be intuitive um, and it just doesn't come easy. And to that, to those people listening, I say, like, yeah, be chill with yourself. Like, don't you don't have to push it, you know, let it kind of emerge, which maybe is a little off topic of astrology. But I think is an important, important thing yeah. for intuition. Psychic. The easiest way I have for describing psychic is I have access to a worldwide web of data. And I just have to open up and receive it, kind of like you open your device and you turn it on. Now, am I looking at every website in every language of the world? No. Am I looking at every page and every paragraph of writing on every website at a moment? Absolutely no. So do I know everything all the time? Thank God, no. But I have access to data. That's the best way I describe psychic. And I thank God for the Internet. So I have that metaphor mediums or mediumship is very specifically talking to dead people, talking to dead animals too, but talking to dead people. And there are many different kinds of mediums. Personally, me, I mean, I don't know if it's like some people hear this and they think it's creepy. I don't find it to be creepy at all, but I don't especially see them like with my op optic nerves. Okay. So this is a way I describe both how I experience mediumship, but also how I experience psychicness. And I used to use Led Zeppelin as a metaphor, but now I use Beyonce. J Again, I'm just like dating Perfect. myself. You know what I mean? Perfect. So you know the song Lemonade? Obviously. Right. And you know the video? Yes. Okay. You, you know the song. Okay. So I just asked you that question. And in your mind, you probably heard your favorite part of the song. You probably mm -hmm. saw her, her in that iconic yellow dress. Yeah. Or maybe you had like a sense memory of that period of your life when you were listening to it, what was happening in your life when you were listening to it. That's a lot like what a psychic impression is or mm. talking to a dead person is. It's all of these senses that are hard to put your finger on and they kind of flood you with data at once, but they're not analytic. They're not material, but they yes. sure they reference the analytic and they reference the material. In terms of mediumship, Oftentimes, this is the part that people find creepy. Uh, dead people hop in my body, which is can be creepy depending, but it's often um, just a really great way for me to get information because they can so show you me. feel in that moment, you sort of have the sense of being other. I have. I wish it was that, actually. It's mm. more that I... I'll be talking to somebody, you know, I'll be like, oh, your mother passed. Let's talk about your mother. And then I'll be like, oh, my chest. It's like I can f I have this feeling of a heart attack. And before I realized I was a medium, I'd be like in my client sessions having panic attacks all the time because I felt like I was 
having mental health crises or having physical crises for a lot of my sessions until I learned it was either me having the psychic experience of what the client is feeling or their dead loved ones were coming in being like, I died of a heart attack. If you say that, they'll know who it is. And and I just like have to stop and be like, okay, so this is what it felt like. And a lot of times they'll they'll show me how they feel. Like recently on my podcast, I had um, someone come on and I got to talk to her dead mother, aunt and grandmother. They had all passed. And the grandmother, the way she showed me, and I said this on the podcast, so it's not me breaking her confidence in any way, but the way she showed me her, her energy was kind of like, you know how a dandelion, when it's just a puff, uh, like a puff looks and it's like bright light is behind it. And it's just like this light. That was the best way I could describe it. It was just this feeling of like strength and gentleness and light and warmth and having this capacity to seed itself how you know like all those little white thingies are all seeds it was just this most beautiful thing she showed me and the feelings that accompanied it were just overwhelming love like this woman I was speaking with was so deeply loved by her grandmother like so and is still so deeply loved and she could have been like I really loved my grandchild but she right. showed me how it felt. And I was able to then understand so many layers and nuances of information that I would never be able to if I hadn't had this like visceral experience. This sounds so silly. This does sound silly, but I cannot count how many times I've talked to dead dads who want to talk to the person I'm speaking with, which is often a woman, about their car. Have you had the brakes checked? Like cars. And I just like, I, you know, right. to, to me, that's just like such a stereotype, but I guess it's based on something. But it's real. It's so real. It's so common that when somebody comes in and they've got a bunch of dead people with them, it is the least intimate person who comes through first. And it's for Ooh. you. It's for you. Because if you got what you wanted, if any of us got what we wanted all the time, we would be a mess on the floor. Like we often want, like, give me the most intense experience. But are you actually <laughs> open for the most intense experience? Right. You know what I mean? You're right. And the other thing is that the more emotional intimacy you have, the more need you have, the stickier the journey a little bit. And when I say sticky, I mean like lymphatic stick. Like, I mean, like there's just like it's not as much of an easy flow to get started at least, because when we are in a state of need or really fixed desire, um, and this goes for, you know, manifestation work, this goes for mediumship and healing in general, it's like your fists are closed tight. And when you are in a state of receptivity, your hands are open. And when you are going to talk to a medium as an example, and you're like, I want my brother to show, the more you want it, the tighter your fists. And it's not like if you're telling yourself, but on an energetic plane, that's what happens. And so it just makes it easier for everyone else to come through because you're waiting for something. You're holding your breath. And then also, like, even as you were saying what you were saying about your brother, he's with you all the time. He doesn't need to come through. I understand his thinking. Also, that's just your brother is what it feels like. Right. Like, it's his whole personality is like, he's a little contrarian, you know? Yes. So absolutely. He's like, you want me to come through because you don't want to trust yourself? Fine. No. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. look alike, eh? you and your brother. Yes. Like, yeah. uh, like you really look like siblings. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So sorry. Let me just. No, you're do, fine. do you want me to check in with your brother? 
Oh, I mean, that wasn't what my intention uh-huh. was. I mean, you're allowed to say anything, but I do really like I, I really meant what I said. He's with me all the time. Often and I, I do want to ask you something, though. Is he okay. Did he have a drug issue or a mental health issue? Mental health. And that's what yeah. led to his cl- yes, ending? He committed okay. suicide. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure that's him that I was seeing um, because your brother, I'm just going to tell you what he's showing yeah. me. Um, and it's like the second you started to talk about him, like right before the words came out, like he just was, he was right with you. It's true. He's like constantly, yeah. he's like a halo yeah. around your head is what it he feels is, like. Yeah. Um, but he feels that so much of how you've responded to his, his mental illness and, and his passing has been, he's just really impressed by how hard you've tried um, for yourself, but also for others. And he's, um, and your mom has a much harder time with it, eh? I mean, absolutely. his struggles with your mom and her struggle mm-hmm. is with him. They are, they are twisted up on each other and mm-hmm. they haven't forgiven themselves or the other. And that is not yours to fix or heal or facilitate. I'm saying that because your brother is showing me that if you do, it just makes you feel really off, like really off because it's not yours to heal. And classic Capricorn, you're like, everything's mine to heal. (laughs) Everything's my responsibility. Um, That's got to be wrong. I know I could show you how to do this. I'm sure I could help you. And just because you can doesn't mean it's yours. And so that's great. So in astrology, there's something called transits. And so basically what transits are is predictive astrology. It's the planets are moving real time, like my little mouse is here, through the sky. And they are lighting up different parts of your birth chart. And the mathematical relationship between a planet in the sky and a planet fixed in time in your birth chart dictates something called transits, which are cycles and trends of experience. Okay, and this is why um, sometimes in your life, everything is falling apart and other times everything is coming together. And yet other times it's both. Right. It's just depends on the transits you're going through. And the midlife crisis is associated with three separate transits. The first one is called the Pluto square to Pluto. And it always comes first. It happens either in the late 30s to the early 40s. And then there's the Neptune square to Neptune and the Uranus opposition. So. Don't worry, I will explain. The you are currently you started in March of this year to go through your Pluto square to Pluto. It'll be over on December 29th of 2024. It's a 2-year period. It's a long transit. Is it usually that long? Yeah. Pluto transits okay, are always okay. 2 years. Neptune transits, Pluto transits, they're always about 2 years long. Um it's a big deal. It's a big deal transit. And the Pluto square to Pluto is when all of the shit from your childhood that you thought you healed, all of a sudden becomes activated in your psyche. But Pluto specifically governs things that we have taboos around, shame, resentments. This is probably, now that I'm thinking of it, why that stuff came up with your brother around your mom. Because it's really deep, unhealed wounding, right? And that's what Pluto rules over. The Pluto square Pluto happens and it's usually like chaos psychologically as you're like, I thought I worked this out and you realize you haven't. And then when you like kind of move that piece of furniture, you're like, ah, there's all this shit behind the furniture that I have to clean up. And it's and it is confronting. As I said, it's like this is why 
stereotypically, people blow up their lives in the midlife crisis. It's because either A, their lives need to be blown up, or B, people don't know how to change and people don't know how to grow. And so we self-sabotage, right? And the Pluto square to Pluto is transformative. It is at times destructive and at times repairing. It's meant to be intense. You know, it's meant to be intense. And in your birth chart, because Pluto falls in the sixth house, that's the sixth house here, it directly impacts your physical body and your work, like how you live. Because for you, your work and how you live are interchangeable. And so what happened on October 25th was we had a solar eclipse in Scorpio, and it sat right on top of your Saturn, which sits right on top of your Pluto. And so that eclipse and the last month or two has been just like kind of like a knee on your tender spot. Like it's been a really intense time that has been opening you up. And you have this thing where you're like, I'm going to prove it to myself and the world that I can, you know, do this, that, and the bag of chips. Like, I can do it all, and I can do it fast, and I can do it well. And you you often can. You often can. And then you collapse because you push yourself Absolutely. hard, and you push yourself hard out of your own survival mechanisms, demands, instead of out of love for yourself. Some things require time. And this is one of them for you. It's figuring out how to give yourself the grace that you work so hard to try to give other people in your life. And so, you know, how what your attitudes are to people in general is one thing. But the people in your personal life, you give them a lot of grace. You give them a lot of grace. And yeah. you don't do that for yourself. Now, sometimes you can, like be impulsive and maybe even a little sloppy. A lot of Sagittarius there. Absolutely. So people might be like, oh, you're cutting yourself too much slack. But you don't cut yourself any slack. Again, this is where we get into nuance. You know, the way we seem based on our behaviors is often not. It's often a reaction to what we are. It's not what we are. You know, we live in a culture that's obsessed with receipts and that's not bad, but it's also uh, not good for all things. Right. And Figuring out how to be in repose and in a state that looks like what your mother, some of your mother's behavior was, is confronting your demons, not your demons from other people. The ways in which your survival mechanisms have become your own demons. Because Pluto governs our flight or fight, our survival mechanisms. And I, yeah, I wish you repose. I wish you space. And I think there are ways that you're very good at giving yourself that, but those are, you call those vacations. You call those weekends. You don't call that the work. And I'm calling it the work. It's not just about the action of doing less or being or whatever. It's about creating the space inside of yourself to allow yourself to be like your mother in this way, right? So it's Mm -hmm. stepping into the trigger and acknowledging that you are not your parents, You are, you know, you are not who you were at 20. You are here. You are you. You are now. And that is hard for all of us. And I think for somebody who is is as driven as you are, which is astrologically signified by the Pluto-Saturn conjunction square to your Mercury, Midheaven, and Venus conjunction, the way that you drive yourself is through scarcity. I have to. I must. Absolutely. There's not, there's, it's, it's like, it's not a drive from abundance, which is so much of your nature, is so 
motivated by abundance. But when it comes down to labor, it's scarcity that motivates you. And that can change because there isn't a scarcity of love for you anymore. There isn't a scarcity of time or resources for you anymore. And you get to reparent the child within. And this is a 40 plus issue. It's not something we do in our, a lot of people do this kind of work in the 30s, but astrology is the study of time. And there's only so much we can do in our 30s because we've only been an adult human for so many years. You know, and there's only so much we can do in our 40s because there's only so much we've lived yet. So I think it's about just like being graceful with yourself as you go through all of this. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.